40 here. So I just uh, heard from a friend who commented, I often talk about uh, toxic people and the importance of keeping toxic people out of your life. So bad people make you feel bad. So if you have people in your life, you consistently make you feel bad, they're bad people. Right. Another way of defining them is uh, if they've got a personality disorder, you know, narcissistic personality, grandiosity personality, you know, borderline personality disorder. But uh, if you've got anyone in your life consistently makes you feel worse, right? you've got someone who's toxic and dangerous for your well-being. Now, it's not just Hamas who can go off and explode at any time. Right? It's, it's people in your life. As soon as you form any kind of connection with someone, you're setting up the inevitability of betrayal. Like we will always feel occasionally or at times, or oh God forbid, regularly, you know, betrayed by other people when their values and their choices are not exactly in line with what we expected. So if they put a greater priority, say, on uh, doing, their, doing some job or work or something else rather than getting together with you, I think you might well feel betrayed. When a friend gets married, particularly has kids, they're going to be much less available, or if you try to make plans with someone who's got kids, uh, you know, often they're going to flake because they've got these overriding responsibilities. But uh, I'm thinking particularly for someone who's continually giving his opinion and perspectives online, it's challenge to maintain friends and so I'm kind of gobsmacked by people like Dennis Prager who say they've never lost a friend. So what person never loses a friend? Right? If, if what he's saying is accurate, essentially means someone who doesn't change. Right? Uh, mismatch theory. Right? The, the more you mismatch with your friends, Alright, our balance theory. Is it balance theory? I'm, I'm blanking now. Maybe it's balance theory. Right? The more you mismatch with a friend, the more strain to put on the relationship. So, if you don't agree about your favorite type of music, or your favorite sports team, or religion, or your approach to religion, or food, or culture, or politics, like the more you disagree with someone, the more strain the relationship comes under. Right? The more you have in common with someone, right, the stronger the bond. So the only way you never lose a friend is if you never change, right? That there's never any substantial difference in what you and your friend value because you've never changed. So if I, if I simply fail to articulate in the current uh, Middle East conflict if I fail to say that uh, Israel is God's gift to humanity that puts my relationship with some of my Jewish friends under strain like to go outside the prism of the, the moral Jewish perspective that the Jews and Israel are God's you know, gift to humanity and that uh, Israel you know, is a divine project in the world and Love of Israel reflects that you're a good person aligned with God's will, and hatred of Israel shows that you're a bad person, you know, aligned against the Lord. Alright, that's going to put those relationships under strain. So, how on earth 
with someone who is sharing ideas and perspectives uh, for a living or as an avocation, how on earth is such a person never lose a friend? Because the more you differ from a friend, right, the more strain you become under. So, Ricardo and I are both fans of Dallas Cowboys. It's something that brings us together. In fact, when we've hated each other, it's sometimes been like the one safe topic that we can talk about. But uh, let's see, Ricardo ceased to be a fan of the Dallas Cowboys, and for all I know, he's no longer a fan of the Dallas Cowboys. Right? That would remove the one plank that we've often relied on to have you know, some sort of connection. Even something as trivial as your favorite National Football League team can very well mean the life or death of a friendship. Like family, you can just pick up. So I've, I think I went 14 years without seeing my brother. Yeah, between year 2000 and year 2014. I went 14 years without seeing my brother in person. When we met up in person, it was just, we just carried right on. But friends aren't like that. They take you know, some tending to and some nurturing. And you know, if a friend moves from Orthodox Judaism to non-Orthodox Judaism and non-Orthodox Judaism to Orthodox Judaism, it's going to place a in all likelihood, a considerable strain. Like if his interests, values, politics, culture, perspectives on life, tastes change, right? So you have less in common, then your, your friendship's gonna change. So this idea that you never lose a friend, even though you're a public figure, you know, saying controversial things, is fascinating to me because the only conceivable way you can do that is if you never change. Because as soon as you change, and particularly in relations with family, and that puts a strain on your family. So your family is used to you being in a certain box, like you're the rebel, or you're the head of the family, you're the responsible one, you're the reliable one. And as soon as you change you know, away from people's comfortable perception of who you are, so particularly with family, but also friends, they're just gonna put strain on that relationship. People don't like people who frequently change. And I can tell you this because I'm someone who frequently changes. And it puts an enormous amount of strain on my relationships. Like, I will completely change my mind, like, in an hour. Like, I was completely changed by the Kafka's critique. I was completely changed by reading, I think, John M. Doris on the power situation. You know, I used to think that somebody's moral character was you know, incredibly important than I... Read John M. Doris, oh, it's the situation that changes things. Uh, you know, I've been right-wing all my life, but then, you know, I read about the biological bases of the political orientation and recognize that we have these predispositions that are more or less adaptive to different circumstances, and some circumstances, left-wing orientation is more adaptive, and other circumstances, right-wing orientation is more adaptive. Okay, that puts a strain on my friendships with pretty much everyone who's right-wing. So there's no way I'm going to talk in any detail, specificity about the people who contributed to my life, because that which is most precious to my life, I don't talk about, I protect, I, I keep silent on. I mean, I mean, people that I confide in, you know, they, they change too. They can go volatile. They can take offense at some perspective that I have, some opinion, some narrative that I... Uh, change into and then you know, they may very well go on the, the warpath and denounce me and 
use everything that they've learned when we were friends to try to tear me down. This is particularly true in the online space where people are you know, often incredibly volatile. People who spend a lot of time online tend to like real-world connections and they, thus they tend to be volatile. So people are fans and friends. One moment, you know, they can turn easily into your deadliest enemy. Experiment. Also, I just find, generally speaking, I try to keep all my relationships kind of in a vessel. I don't introduce people very much. And, you know, what I say to Joe and what I hear from Joe, pretty much just keep between Joe and me. And what goes on between Lisa and me, right? I pretty much keep that between Lisa and me. So, I don't leave, you know, a trail of breadcrumbs on how to hurt me. Right? I, the most precious, the most powerful, most meaningful relationships I have in my life, or interactions I have in my life, or communities I have in my life, I don't talk about. Right? Because uh, maybe it's this traditional Jewish notion of that which is most holy. You, you cover it up, whether it's a Torah scroll or a woman. Bye-bye. Is it bounce theory? Maybe not. Maybe I meant to say balance theory, not mismatch theory. <laughs>